um, victory from depression. Amen? And we know that the depression, you know, that heaviness that could come in the emotional realm, that being so weighed down, um, sometimes even to the point you almost can't lift yourself up. So we're talking about that, and, but we also, it is not the will of God that, that his children, his body, should be held in that captivity. And um, let's start with this scripture. Let's start to 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. And just, let's see if we could just jump straight into it. First Epistle of John chapter 5 and verse 18. First Epistle of John chapter 5 and verse 18. All right. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Now, 1 John 5, 18 says, We know that whosoever is born of God, where we know whosoever is born of God overcome in the world. Whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten or born of God, born again to that living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he that is begotten of God Keepeth himself, keepeth himself, and that wicked one, you know who that is, and that wicked one toucheth him not. The Amplified says that wicked one does not lay a hold and get a grip on him or even touch him. <laughs> Think about that. That wicked one does not get a grip on him, doesn't lay a hold of him, and doesn't even touch him. Wow. That's not, isn't that interesting? Now, we got to believe this word. He says that somehow the person that is born again can live in this place where the evil one doesn't even touch him, can't get a hold of him. You know, it's like the anointing, you know, the, the, you know the anointing was supposed to be, in terms of you put oil and whatever it is, and that, and the sheep so the flies and stuff don't stick to them. It's like the anointing is on you in such a way because you see we are to live in the anointing. You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And if we are living inside that anointing and there's that oil and the enemy try to touch it just slides off. He, cannot, he can't get a hold of you. In fact he can't even touch you because there's a glory shield around about you. I know that sounds like far out, but that's what that scripture says. That scripture tells me that there is a place that you can live that is, that is, that is above depression. I know, I know that sounds, however that sounds. But it is in that place that we want to be, because it is in that place that there is freedom. But there's a key word in there, he keepeth himself. He keepeth himself, and because he keepeth himself where? In Christ. In the anointing. Because he keepeth himself, the evil one cannot touch him. My question would be, where exactly does he keep himself? And how does he keep himself? <coughs> Amen? And if we could find that out and do likewise, we could be living in that place. There is another scripture that I think is very interesting, which is John 14, 30. 
I think, how did Jesus put it? I think he said that, that I'm not going to be saying much from here on. Let me see. Um, John 14, 30. There's a scripture in a quote, but then you don't look at it often. That's not good. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you. For the prince of this world, that is the wicked one, cometh. But he had nothing in me. There's nothing in me that belongs to him, the Amplified says. And he has no power over me. That wicked one, that prince of this world cometh. And he has nothing in me, no power in me, nothing in me belongs to him. Isn't that awesome? Can you imagine living in such a place where you're keeping yourself and you are so in Christ and you are everything that you just so operating, your operation in him is such that the enemy comes and there's nothing that you got. You don't have any of his stuff. You don't have his thoughts. You're not speaking his words. You don't have his attitudes. All you have is Christ. It's Christ. His word. The word of Christ dwells in you richly. The mind of Christ dominates your thinking. You're operated by the law of Christ. Bearing one another's burdens, etc., etc., etc. Amen? You're thinking, you're speaking, you're, and all of that is so in here, the devil comes that he got nothing. So, what, what I believe is that this place that we need to be in, first of all, oppression, depression, torment, um, um, depressive moods, and all that kind of stuff happens. But in getting out of this, we want to get out of that, and we want to get into this place. This tells us where we need to be. It's about this place. And then, of course, if you can live there, then you're above it. Amen? All right. Now, um, the anointing, and, and, and you notice I mentioned the anointing, and um, we're going to be... Lord willing, I believe in the next little while we're really going to get into the anointing. If you want a little heads up, then what I suggest you do is go into the epistles and start off by looking for the verses of scripture that just have Christ in it alone. Later on, you can start looking for Christ Jesus before Jesus Christ. And start looking what's up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's why I don't keep coins in my pocket, you know. Because then I have a way of playing with it. <laughs> Sorry. How is that? All right. We're going to be looking at, at, at this issue of Christ. Because here is the thing that really captures my mind. That makes me feel we've got to do this. And it's Colossians 3 verse 3. Where it says you are dead. And your life. All of your life. The whole of your life. Is hid with Christ, with that anointing in God. Therefore, all of my existence, all of my everything is in there. And if I could stay in there, the evil one can't touch me. Now, Christ is the answer. Christ is, Christ, which is anointing, is the answer. The Bible says, um, in, yeah, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Anointed with what? Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost and power. 
That again is a snapshot of the anointing of Christ. Christ, the anointing. Christ, the Holy Ghost and power. Christ, Jesus, the Christ. Jesus, the man, anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. And as he thought, he's Christ. Amen. Does that make sense? And he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Every oppression of every sort is of the devil. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, There is no temptation, no pressure, no situation, no oppression, no depression, no test trials, um, whatever it is, that comes upon you, but such as is common to man. Common to man in two senses, in the sense that the devil is limited as to what he can do. Right? He doesn't have anything new. But common to man in the sense that sometimes it feels as if you're the only person going through this. But everybody faced the same thing. You know what I mean? But there's no temptation coming upon you, but such as is common to man, which includes the depression. But God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted above which you're able, but he will make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it, that you might overcome it, that you may be able to stand and having done all stand, and that you might come out victorious, that you might be able to bear it. He will make a way of escape. Now, I particularly in this context like the phrase escape, because when you are in that oppressive state and that torment that comes from from, 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 from the abuse or from whatever trauma may have happened, whatever pain, whatever hurt, whatever woundedness, whatever it is, you know what I mean? The, the, the despair, the, the, the loneliness, they the, um, never seem to be coming to an end. When is this ever going to end? And that oppression. The things that, people, that happen in people's lives. When you're in that place, it, it, it's almost like a prison where it's there with you all the time, hovering over you. It's like a cloud of darkness. So we need to, so that's why the phrase that you might, a way of escape, come out of there and become a prisoner of love, a prisoner of grace. That way of escape, that way is Christ. He is the way. It is the anointing. Colossians 1 verse, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 24 says, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Amen? Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. Power is, is that ability and enablement to bring forth change. So the anointing is power. The anointing is ability. The anointing is what it takes to bring forth change. But also wisdom, knowing how to deal with it. Because you see, every situation is going to be slightly different. And sometimes the way out is different. Principles might be the same, but the way out might be different. The direction the Lord might give you might be to fast. The direction the Lord might give you, give someone else, is to meditate on a particular word. The, the direction the Lord might give someone else is, why don't you get a, a group of people that you can just, that can just be committed and just will pray with you and stand with you for a period of time. The Lord might have you, um, you know, the more, the, the, your, your way of escape, maybe there's an issue where he might want to show you some repentance, whatever. Amen? It might be just a changing of your thinking. Whatever the case is. But the point is, 
That anointing is the wisdom of God. That anointing is the Holy Ghost. And it's the Holy Ghost that leads and teaches and guides. Amen? All right. Now, um, it, is in, it is important for also for us to understand that God wants you, God, I mean, this is just so tremendous, that God really, really, really wants you to have everything, any and everything that Jesus paid for you to have. That is amazing grace. And grace is the manifestation of the love of God. You see, that's where we get into difficulty. Our believing don't want to, some of the other, we, we find it hard to believe that. But the very essence of the sacrifice of Christ is that when he gives you Jesus, he gives you all things. He wants you to have any and everything that Jesus paid for you to have. If you had paid for your child to have a good education, to have this, to have that, to have whatever, and you spent it all, and you, 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 you paid the price, you, you shed your blood, you sweat, you did a, don't you want them to have everything you paid for? But how much more? So, for instance, you see when the Bible says in, in um, Psalms 84 verse 11, the Lord God is a son and she, the Lord will give grace and glory. Grace, say grace. The Lord will give grace and glory. There is no good thing that he will withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now I know when we think of that immediately, our mind goes into a works mentality. I gotta walk uprightly. Well, walking uprightly, quite frankly, if you look at Coloss no, if you look at Galatians 2, verse 14, is walking uprightly in the gospel. The gospel of Christ is walking in accordance. It's walking in truth. It's walking according to the sacrifice. Recognizing you're crucified with him. Recognizing you've been raised up together with him and so on. So God says, if you would just walk in, 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 in harmony, walk in, in uprightly, walk in what I've done for you and paid for by my, the sacrifice of my son, there is no good thing that I will withhold from you. So the Bible says that he's given out to us abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. It is absolutely, totally, completely the will of God that any person, any person whatsoever, especially the believer, that is any kind of oppressive force from the enemy might come out from underneath it. And the anointing, he anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good, pulling people out. Pulling people out from that place. Yes. He anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So it's absolutely the will of God. God says, I know the plan that I have for you. It's a good plan. It's a good future. It's to bring you into an expected end. To bring you into a place that is so full of hope. The God of hope fills you with all joy and peace in believing. That you might abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, you see, it is going to be important to know that because the person that is in that place of struggle, they lose sight of that. They lose sight of the fact that God really wants to help them, that God wants to bring them out of it. In fact, they sometimes feel as if God is a million miles away and God doesn't even care what happens. They question the love of God. They don't, and, 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 and I'm not saying not to condemn them, but you see, the Holy Spirit is, is part of what he's going to do is to try to fix all of that. 
Their believing might be messed up. They might be thinking wrong, believing wrong, talking wrong. But he, the Holy Spirit, wants to come, teach them, open up the eyes of their understanding, bring them to the knowledge of the truth. Let me show you a verse of scripture. Take a second Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. The gospel is good news. In fact, yes. I know that's what we say, but you know something? <laughs> to even say the gospel is good news is in a way selling the gospel short. Because the gospel is more than good news. The gospel is the best news there is for humanity. And whoever they are, wherever somebody might be, under the weather, or whatever situation anyone might possibly be in on this planet, saved or unsaved, the gospel is the best news for them. Because in the gospel, God makes all, makes him, his entire self available. Mm -hmm. Amen? Yes. All right. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And verse 13. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 says, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God had from the very beginning, from the very beginning, from the very outset, from before the foundation of the world, God had chosen you to salvation. He had chosen you to deliverance, to wholeness, to freedom indeed. And he did that, and he separated you in a new birth. He had chosen you to salvation. Now, here's what I want us to see. He chose you to this deliverance and this freedom, but here is how it comes to you. The person, I mean, we have all of that in our spirit, but how does that come into the area of our soul that is, that is so sickened by the oppression, by the depressive moods? He does it, this is how he does it. Through the sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Through the sanctification, through the working of the Holy Ghost with his power and his anointing, through the working of the Holy Spirit, him working with you, setting you apart, pulling you out from that mess, pulling you into that secret place, pulling you into that place where the evil one cannot even get a hold of you or even touching you. The process that he uses, that are connected with the believing of the truth. Well, the truth part is we, we know that it is, a, no, is the knowledge of the truth shall make you what? And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And we know if we were to go back to 1 Peter, let's flip over there quickly. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. It says, elect according. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience. That's a nice little word here. Mm. 
But that's telling me some more. There's going to be a pathway that he's going to use to bring you out of that place of oppression into the place that he's prepared for you where the evil one touches you not. And it's going to be the Holy Ghost is working and it's going to be connected up with truth and it's going to be connected up with obedience. The Bible says if we go back to Romans chapter 15 verse 13, the God of hope fills you with all joy and peace in believing that you might abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. The God of hope, the God who has said that it is good pleasure to give you what? The kingdom. Luke 12, 32. Think on that for a moment. It is the Father's good pleasure. It pleases him. It gives him great delight and satisfaction and joy to give you the kingdom. What's that about? Think about it for a moment. Well, when you get born again, the kingdom of God is where? It's in us. But what is that kingdom of God? It's the reign of God. It is the extension of his rule and his reign and his authority and his sphere of his influence. Can you, put, can you, can you see that? Can you imagine the kingdom of God that rules over all? The kingdom of God that is righteousness, oneness with him. The kingdom of God that is such authority. The kingdom of God that is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What if that kingdom of God that is inside of you begin to just come out into your soul, into your mind, into your will, into your emotion, and into your body, and begins to rule? What would happen? What would that look like? So God says, look, it is my pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is what I want. I want you to be filled with the fruits of righteousness. The fruits. The fruits, the outward evidence of the inward life. Does that make sense? Right? The fruits of righteousness. We are the trees of righteousness planted by the Lord. So, but... Getting there, getting this kingdom from the inside to the outside, bringing us into this place of liberty and freedom is the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, the belief of the truth, and bringing you into the place of obedience, which means so that you do what he tells you to do. If he tells you, um, forgive. If he tells you, um, dip seven times. All right. If he tells you, fast. Right? Whatever the case is. Now, the God of hope fills you with all joy and peace in believing. In believing that you might abound in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. That in believing, God fills you with all this joy, with all this peace. That's what he endeavors to do. That is his will. That is his, his, his desire. Fill you with joy. Fill you with peace. Bring that kingdom to the outside. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. According to your believing. Joy and peace in believing. You got to believe right. You got to believe according to the truth. You got to believe the truth of who you are. You got to believe right about the circumstances. You cannot be carnally minded. Because if you're carnal minded and what it looks like and what it feels like, then that is where the enemy wants you to be. Amen? That is where the enemy wants to keep you. He don't want you to believe as it is written. He don't want you to believe the truth of who you are. 
the authority that you have, the freedom that is already yours. He don't want you to believe any of that stuff. He wants you to stay carnal. And the carnal man is enmity with God. And yet, on the, on the other hand, to be spiritually minded, to have your mind renewed, is the very, very means by which you are able to allow. Allow the goodness of God. Allow what God has for you to flow. Allow the joy and the peace to flow. You see, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might what? Prove, which is a better word, is allow. So that you might allow what is this good, perfect, and acceptable will. In other words, if the mind is not renewed, then that good, perfect, and acceptable will is not allowed. So the issue of the believing is important. That you might abound in hope to the power of the Holy Ghost, it goes on to say. Joy and peace in believing that you might abound in hope to the power of the Holy Ghost. That you might overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost, His operation, His power, that anointing, that working, that sanctifying process is now necessary if you're going to have all this stuff. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. Cannot leave the Holy Ghost out. You see, here's why you can't leave the Holy Ghost out, and especially in this particular subject. Because, you know, in the, in the world, they tell you sometimes you need professional help in the area of, you know, when there is, when there is mental stuff, when there's oppression, when there's depression, when there's, you know, anxiety, disorder, etc., etc. But now you see, the Holy Spirit is the he is the ultimate professional. Yes. Part of his name, you know, Paracletus, part of the meaning of Paracletus is counselor. He is a professional counselor. Amen? So by the power of the Holy Ghost, he is a professional counselor. He knows how to get you from point A to point B. He knows how to bring you out. Now you see, here is what's happening. In order for him to bring you out, in order for him to, 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 to go through this process, he needs your cooperation. He can do it. He can lead. He can guide. He can teach. He knows the truth. You got a problem believing? Right? This can happen. He can teach you. He can open up your eyes, give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. But he needs your cooperation. The Bible says in... Um, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. I will show you, O man, what the Lord requires of you. And it goes on to say to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In other words, what the Lord requires of you, I will show you, O man, what the Lord requires of you. To do justly. What is just? Is that about righteousness? To be just as if sin has never been. To operate in righteousness, which means authority. Operate in our oneness with God, which means the freedom from shame, guilt, and everything else. Now, we know there's some challenges there, and that's why we're here. But he says, this is what I require of you. And to do mercy. He desires for you to operate in mercy. I'll be merciful to them that are merciful. He, he desires you to, uh, to love and to walk humbly. Humility from a new covenant perspective is particularly being clothed with Christ. Being clothed with Christ. Being conformed to his image. 
being yielded and abandoned to him. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why is there this problem? What, how the Holy Ghost, he will take you there. He's he going to take you along this roadway. He's going to take you along the pathway to freedom. But there are some problems. There are some roadblocks. <laughs> Amen? Now let me tell you about those roadblocks for a moment. Proverbs 26 verse 2 says that the curse without a cause cannot come. The oppression, the depression, the torment, someone was molested, someone was abused, someone was rejected, someone went through a, a horrible, painful divorce or separation, someone was abandoned. I've heard, you ever heard about, about someone who when they were growing up, they were locked in a dog kennel or something like that? You ever heard of stuff like that? What does that do to the soul, to the human soul? Right. Amen? What kind of woundedness takes place? Right. And then to believe that God is a father. Mm -hmm. The challenges they have. Mm -hmm. When they've experienced failure and this and that. Right. So what happened is, and as a result of these things that happen in people's lives, those, these wounds, these bruises, these, all that stuff, becomes open or access doors that the enemy who takes advantage of whoever he can, seeking who he may devour, use those access doors of what has happened in people's lives, and then he tried, and then he get in, and then he brings the curse. He brings this curse of oppression. He brings this curse of anxiety. He brings all this other stuff as a result. You follow me? So these are access doors by which it got in. Now, Here's the way it's very interesting. The very access doors, the very doors that he used to bring this kind of stuff now becomes the obstacles or the roadblocks to get out of that mess. Because now here you are, I mean the Holy Ghost wants to bring you out, but the pain, the hurt, the woundedness, the anger, the wrath, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, have now, you know, you've developed you've developed a wall of protection among yourself, I'm not going to get hurt again. I'm not going to put myself in that position again. You know what I mean? And, and I mean, besides, I mean, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what I went through. All right? And, uh, you know what I mean? In other words, then, it's like I have a right to my hurt. I have a right to my pain. Even though I want to be free, yet on the other hand, I, I, I'm holding on to it. So that here, the Holy Ghost wants to help me. But he can only help me to the degree that I cooperate with him. Are you with me? So now, this, the, the, these open doors, these access doors, now becomes a roadblock. Can you see what I'm saying? Now, let, just to show you, okay, even before we go there, while I'm on that, let me show you something else too. The Bible says in Luke chapter 11, verse 22, the essence of it being, if you're coming to the strong man's house, Right? And you want to get your stuff or take away his stuff? What should you do? Bind him. What else though? You need to take away the armor in which he trusted. You want to get those people behind that Jericho wall? Tear down the wall. And see how much confidence they have when the wall is removed. Are you with me? So when you can remove the armor, the things that the enemy is trusting in, you will steal his confidence. That's where his trust was. 
And what is the armor? What is it that the enemy is trusting in where we wear? That person that is in that place of bondage is concerned. There are two significant things. Number one, carnality. Being carnal. Wrong thinking. Moved by what it looks like. Moved by what it feels like. Moved by what is happening in their life. Moved by history. Moved by the news. Moved by all of this other stuff. Amen? And as it does strongholds, imaginations, and stuff get built up. The Bible says the carnal mind is the enemy of God, is the enmity with God. It's God's enemy because it hinders him. And it's your enemy and my enemy. But that's what the enemy is trusting. He's also trusting self. If he can keep you, if he can keep self alive, <laughs> that way you're not surrendered to his will. If you can keep self alive, Jesus said, if you want to have my life, you want to be where I am, you want to live in this particular place, that place, that secret place, that, that place where the evil one touches me, touches you not, he says you got to do what? Deny your and take up the cross. Amen? So the enemy knows that if he could keep self alive and he could keep you carnal, then you, you, your, your victory is going to be limited. Your freedom, you're only going to get so much freedom, but you're never going to get all of it. You can't have it. Because those are the laws. God says, I swear, this is how it works. If there is unbelief, you can't enter into this rest. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm not trying to decrease something against you. God said, not, it's nothing to do with you, but I'm telling you, this is how it works. I swore by myself, you cannot enter into my rest because of that unbelief, because of that carnality, because of that self. God says, hey, nothing against you, Eve, nothing against you, Adam, but this is how it is. If you eat that thing and you activate that conscience from the knowledge of good and evil, you'll die. Not trying to punish you, this is how it is. You understand what I'm saying? All right. So, you can see what the, dead, the, the enemy's scheme is. But God wants to bring us out. And the Holy Ghost is the way out. The anointing is the way out. So, so then, what are some of these roadblocks? And how can we get past these roadblocks? Because this woundedness has to heal. It's got to heal. So let me begin to give you a couple of things. Number one, let's start right here. Matthew chapter 18, verse 18 says, Whatever you bind on earth shall be what? And whatever you loose on earth shall be what? Loose. Okay. Remember I was saying sometimes, you know, you have these hurt and you have these woundedness and these things have happened and you, you want to hold on to them. I mean, and, and I mean, the, those, the pain, the hurt, the, it's just we're playing, it's just we're playing, it's just we're playing in your mind. It's, it's not like you're willfully doing it, but you find yourself rehearsing it. You find yourself nursing it. You find yourself cursing it. You find yourself reviewing it. And the enemy is helping you, he's bombarding you, bombarding you. I creating all kinds of turmoil. But, but the thing of the matter is, unless you release it, God and give it to God, he can't reverse it. It's got to be given to him, but he says, whatever you loosen is loosened. Whatever you loosen on earth is loosened in heaven. In other words, what you release to me, that's, that's all I can take. Let me put it another way. The word loosen also means to dissolve and melt. In other words, God says, where your pain is concerned and the hurt and the woundedness, I love you, I have compassion on you, but unless you give me that pain, give me that hurt, give me that woundedness, I can dissolve and melt it. But if you would, 
I'm anointed to set the captives free. I'm anointed to heal your wounds. I'm anointed. I can do this. I know how to do this. But it, first of all, you have got to be able to release that to me. Now, is that always easy? No. There are times you may just have to say over and over and over again, Lord, I give it to you. I give you the pain. I give you the hurt. This hurts. You know how I feel, but I give it to you. I, I don't want this. I, I give it to you. I release it to you. I release it to you so that you can dissolve it, so that, it's, so that you can melt it away. Melt it. Get it off of my life. Lord, I give it to you. And you might got to do that over and over and over again. And then if you don't, what happens? You stay in that place. That place of bitterness, that place of resentment, that place of imprisonment, that place of torment. Are you with me? So that's the first thing. That's, that's very important. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosened in heaven. You got to be able to give it to him. Oh, uh, there's a thought that is trying to elude me, but I rebuke it. You have to be able to give that to him, allow him. Oh, I know the thought I was, I was thinking. Okay. You see, in this, sometimes when it is so hard, and there are degrees of depression, when it is so hard, I mean, not, you, you can't even believe, you can't even lift yourself up, etc., etc. And I mean, and for somebody to say, just give up the hurt, just. Just let it go. Just give it to God. And, and, and like, I can't. Like I was talking, there was a, there's a, there's a, 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 a family member that I, that I have, a, a cousin. Haven't seen her for, for decades. Right? But she had the most contagious laughter ever. I'm not kidding. This girl could laugh. When she begins to laugh, right, it fills up the whole room. You don't know what she's laughing about. But you laughing and asking her what she's laughing about. Her son was, was murdered in Atlanta. And to this day, this was several years ago, they still have not found the person who killed him. You know what that did to her? Right? And, and the thing is, when that happened, there were several other things happening within her family. The woundedness. Now, for her, for, 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 for her to say to her, forgive. You know, give God the pain, give God the hurt. You know how difficult that is for her? Sometimes people could be in such a place that they're not able to do that. Does that mean there is no hope for them? No. There's still got to be hope. So God says, if you be willing and obedient, you can eat the good of the land. If you be willing, say willing. Willing. And sometimes you just got to say, God, (laughs) this is tough. Make me willing. Just help me to be willing. And you might just have to just pray that and declare that I'm willing. Lord, help me. Just that I would be willing to give this to you. Just that I'll be willing to help to let you come in and heal and whatever. In other words, you gotta let him heal you. You gotta allow him to. You can't keep rehearsing it and reviewing it. You've got to allow him in, to allow him. So there is this issue of, of allowing him, this issue of, 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 of releasing it, this issue of, of being willing. This is what I'm trying to emphasize here. Now, you see, we, we talk about the fact that if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, 5, and 6, in the, in the, that, um, 
uh, about the strongholds, the battle, the weapons of our warfare not coming up, but the mighty true God to the pulling down of strongholds, imaginations, the high-minded things, the things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, to the end that we might bring every thought captive to who? The obedience of Christ. This is mean bring every thought into the place where it's in harmony and submitted to the anointing. And then when your obedience is complete, God says there's some other things I'm going to get done. Amen? Remember, sanctification of the spirit unto obedience and the belief of the truth. That's the whole process. So, if you be willing and obedient. Now here's something else that I think is just as important. This process that one has to go through is not one of denial. You don't deny that if the particular event happened or however, you don't deny it. It's not about denial. It's not even denying the pain. It's not even denying the hurt. It's not even denying the anger you feel. It's not even denying the resentment. And, and just what, how you would just like to shave their heads. <laughs> that wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> it's, not, it's not denial. And that is important. You see, it says in Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13, He that covers his sin shall not prosper. But he that confesses it, and what? He that confesses it and forsakes it shall have mercy. In other words then, he that covers and pretends that it is not so, doesn't acknowledge it, there's no mercy for him. But if you would acknowledge, okay, I have this problem, this is how it is, this is how I feel, and if you reach out, cry out to God, then God says, I'll help you. If you would, and you see, sometime again, talking about, let's go back to this point. The pathway to victory, the pathway to freedom, may very well involve repentance. Repentance over hanging on to something. Repentance over, over the way you've been thinking. Repentance over, uh, over uh, um, you know, whatever it might be. Because he says, confesses, acknowledges that it is so, confesses it and forsakes it. Now, I'm not saying that's the case for everyone, but the Holy Spirit is the professional counselor. He knows how to do it. And when we talk about the weapons of our warfare, yes, there is the word of God and there is the name of Jesus and there is the blood. But there are other weapons as well. Humility. Love. This one we're talking about. Not being in denial. Being willing. Amen? Alright. Refusing to quit. That's a very important one. David, David as a matter of fact, even before I go there, yeah, um, trust. That's it, trust. How about trust? Because you're going to have to turn me to Psalms 13. You're going to have to trust God with some stuff here. Amen? You're going to have to say to God sometimes, this is, this is how I feel. This is what's going on. And, 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 um, and I need your help. And I'm, and I'm giving you this. And da, 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 da. But you're going to have to still trust him. Psalms 13 Reading from verse 1. It says, How long will you forget me, O Lord? 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul? Have sorrow in my heart daily. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Light my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. That's oppressive, isn't it? Lest my enemy say I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. How long? How long is it going to be? But then look what it says. And as I said, I always believe if there's one person you could complain to is God. Some people better don't complain to them. Number one, they go tell everybody. <laughs> he says, but I have trusted in thy mercy. You see where this conversation ends? I have trusted in your mercy, and my heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. The issue of trust is also a very, very important one. The Bible says, I will keep them in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed in me, because they trust in me. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 and verse, and, and verse 4 says, trust in Jehovah. So the issue of trust is an important one. Amen? And then, as I said, don't quit, don't give up. You will reap if you faint not, having done all to stand, stand therefore. Sometimes people have a situation and it lasts a long time. Well, it took a long time for it to even develop at that point. And it doesn't always get solved overnight. And you're just going to have to stay at you gotta, you got to stay at it. And you got to believe God. And you got to trust. And you got to don't quit and don't give up. That's very important. Now, the issue of obedience is a very also, I think, is perhaps the most important in many ways. Because you got to do what the Holy Ghost tells you. Amen? And it's not just the big things. It's the little things. You have to, look, you have to do what he tells you. And I think that could pretty well speak for itself. But let me, let me make this shift. Let's go back to 1 John 5.18, which says, the evil one, that there is a place where we can keep ourselves and the evil one will touch us not. Keep ourselves. That issue of keeping. That issue of keeping. Let me just point out a couple of things about that keeping. Jude 20 verse 21 says, Building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourself in the what? Love of God. In the love of God. So if you can keep yourself in the love of God, keep yourself in Him, keep yourself in Christ, be found in Him, not having your own righteousness. Where are you keeping yourself? It's in Him. And He is love. He is truth. He is the Word, etc., etc. Now I don't want to repreach re preach last week. But the issue of the word of God is a very critical one. Staying in the word, attending unto my word, keeping it as front as before your eyes. Because the word of God is powerful. And the Bible says it's held to all your flesh. It's held to all of your life. Mm -hmm. Amen? But in this area of the keeping, here is a couple of things that is important. The issue of forgiveness. The issue of forgiveness is huge. So let me just, just a couple of things about forgiveness. Let's go with to Matthew chapter 18 first. Now I'm going to go through this quickly. Because each of us here could probably preach a forgiveness message, right? <laughs> so let me just point out a few little things. You know the story about the guy who, who, um, who had owed his master. And the Amplified says 10,000 talents, which is about $10 million in verse 24. 
And, he, and, he ple- and the master was going to sell him, his family, and everything else. And he pleaded with the master, and the master forgave, had compassion on him and forgave the debt. And then someone else had owed him a couple of denarios, equivalent to about $20, and he refused to forgive him. And then when the other guy saw him and back to the master and said, hey, you know what he, you remember you gave the guy, did you forgive that 10 million? There was somebody owed him 10, 20 bucks, and he refused to forgive him. And the master got angry, and the master, the master goes on to say in verse 24, and his Lord was angry and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly father do unto you if you, from, if you don't from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Now you got to see sometimes, you know, and especially, because this is still in the old covenant in a way. Sometimes you got to recognize that it's not like God who said, all right, you didn't forgive, I ain't gonna forgive you either. I'll put you in the heart for some tormentors out and turn you over to the devil, let him beat your brains out. No, no, no. It's not like that. It is just like the same thing he says, you're not gonna enter to my rest. This is how it works. Because what happened is, because of this lack of forgiveness and all the resentment and everything else that was built up inside, that stuff began to eat him away. The pain, the hurt. With the nagging and the devil, of course, taking advantage and tormenting him in his mind. So there's a torment that happens. Mm-hmm. Are you with me? Yeah. So God says, therefore, the, the absolute need to forgive. Now, there are times where somebody could be, like I was telling about my cousin, it could be so difficult for them that again, they just got to be willing and say, God, I have difficulty with this. Help my own belief. Help me to forgive. And you can I got to pursue even dealing with that. And the Holy Ghost, I said, he'll help you believe. He'll help you whatever the case is. He is the perfect professional counselor, helper, and so on. But there is that aspect of forgiveness. Then there's another aspect of it. In other words, where this is concerned, you better forgive for your own sake. Yes. Are you with me? Yeah. Uh, um, let, me let me tell you a story. Many years ago, there was this older lady, and, um, and I was at a meeting, and, and I was asked to minister to her. And when I was ministering to her, I found out that she had, she had there's some bad things that happened in her past, and she's been carrying it for years and years, and it's just been, it has just been eating away at her, and, and she just hasn't been making progress. People have prayed for her, and, and she just w- wasn't getting free. And on that particular occasion, the Lord told me to tell her this, to, tell, to, to do this, to tell her to get a piece of paper, and the person that had violated her was now dead. So she can't go and, you know, tell them I forgive you or have them say, please forgive me. There was none of that. person is gone. And so the Lord told me to tell her to get a piece of toilet paper and to scribble the person's name and so on on it, pray with her, and then tell her, go, go flush it on the toilet. Simple as that. I found out later on that that lady was set free. Right? That's why I say sometimes, what is the direction of the Holy Ghost? What is it he's going to tell you to do? But the point is, she needed that for herself. It wasn't about a person. For her own self. Sometimes we need to forgive just because of our own self. Now, the Bible also says in, um, okay, let me just quote it instead. Which is in Ephesians 4 verse 32. Right? (laughs) Ephesians 4 and verse 32. Where, it's, where it basically says, Be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Even as God for whose sake? 
Did, did Jesus? Did they say Jesus said? No, right? The Lord Jesus Christ? No, for Christ's sake. For the anointing's sake. Oh, look how God wants us to operate in that anointing. That for the anointing's sake, he forgives us. Well, it also says in another place in um, where? It also says in, where is it? Colossians. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgive you. God forgives you for the anointing sake. The anointing forgive you. And he says we are to forgive just like that. Which means God forgives you whether you ask it or not. Right? Now the person might not benefit if I forgive them and they haven't received it, they might have some problems still. But I'm forgiving because of the anointing sake because I need to, I need to stay in this anointing. I need to abide in this anointing. My whole life is in here. And I need to, so I need to do it for me. I need to do it for the anointing's sake. And I don't need the torment. But now look at also to Luke 17. Again, this is a scripture we know. Where the, where the disciple asked Jesus, how many times do I forgive? And he said 17 times 7 or whatever it is in a day. <laughs> but this one is interesting, I find. Because there's a twist on this one. Verse 3, take heed to yourself. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. And if you repent, forgive him. If he trespass against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day he turn again and say unto thee, I repent, you shall forgive him. The others didn't say anything about him repenting. This one does. There are situations that that's why you got to just stay with the Holy Ghost. Right? You know, sometimes even praying with somebody to be born again. Sometimes it's okay to just say, repeat this after me. I believe Jesus was raised up from the dead and he's alive and I receive him as Savior and Lord. But then there are times where the Lord will lead you in praying with somebody and, and, and you, might, you might find this, he might lead you to say, Father, I confess all my sins. And I thank you that the blood of Jesus I'm washing and cleansed. Because God knows that was a problem for them. And they needed to hear, God forgives me. They needed to release that. And so sometimes there are different dimensions, even in this area of forgiveness. And personally, I used to always think, well, first of all, i got to forgive you, regardless of who say what, who ask, don't ask. And that is true for my own self, for the anointing's sake I do. But if, if it's a relationship that we have, right, and you have wounded me, and you've done certain things, right, I need to forgive you still. But for you and I to get back into relationship, for you and I to reconcile, we need more than one here for reconciliation. Are you with me? And I might just have to say to you, hey, you know, I'm sorry. I really shouldn't have done that. Would you forgive me? Amen? So that we could get back into relationship. Without me doing that, and I've heard you and I've done certain things, you might forgive me, but there's a difficulty of reconciliation. Are you with me? Amen. Now, I want to I spend some more time on that, but, but let, let's move on quickly. Turn me to Galatians chapter 6. So there is, there is a pathway, and as I said, there might be difficulty, but the Holy Spirit will still help you. Amen? 
If it was easy, the person could have had their deliverance a long time ago. It's not necessarily that easy. And that is why we need professional help from the Holy Ghost, the Counselor. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 for a minute. I don't know. I feel like if I'm, I don't, know, I don't go by what I feel. <laughs> Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. Anyway, Galatians chapter 6. I want you to see this here. I'm still trying to keep a focus on the anointing. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke that removes the burden. Christ, the anointing. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power. The Holy Ghost is the anointing, so to speak. Galatians chapter 6. Are you there yet? <laughs> and verse, let's read verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest thou also be tempted. All right, that's all right. Verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens. It says, it amplified, endure, carry one another's burdens. And troublesome moral faults. And in this way, King James, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Listen to the Amplified. Bear, endure, sounds like forbearing, one another's burdens and troublesome moral faults. And in this way, fulfill and observe perfectly the law of Christ, the Messiah, and complete what is lacking in your obedience to it. This scripture is saying that when you, with your, with your faults and with your things that irritate me, right? right? Does anybody ever irritate you? Right? When I can bear up and be forbearing and deal with these irritants in your life, these moral faults and shortcomings, rather than me being judgmental and harsh and mean, if I can do that, by so doing, I will demonstrate and fulfill the law of Christ. Tells us a couple of things. Number one, there are laws that govern this anointing. Forgiveness is one of them. Faith is one of them. And we could go on and on. Right? There are laws that govern this anointing. And, and, and one of them is love. It's love. Turn with me to first epistle of John, chapter 3. While you're turning there, 4 and verse 7 will say, The end of all things is at hand. Be sober, watch on to prayer. And above all, above all, have fervent love among yourselves, because love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers the faults, the moral failures. Love never fails. Amen? Now, in the first epistle of John, now, let me say this though. There's two sides to the love of God. One side is the knowledge of the love of God for you. Knowing and believing that. And quite frankly, that's critical. I think that's the most important part. Personally. Amen? That's what John had. The disciple whom Jesus loved. 
confessing how much the, love, the Father loved him. First Epistle of John chapter 4, verse 16 says that we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Knowing it and believing that love. And that love is made perfect. Herein is that love made perfect, that as he is, so are we in this world. Behold what man of love, that we might be called the sons of God. The Father loves me, just as he loved Jesus. But me knowing and believing that love, the Bible says, that love perfected in me will drive out and it will flush out fear. Because fear has torment. And he that is in torment is not, doesn't have the revelation of, the perf of that perfect love. It isn't that, it's not yet real to him. But, but, but it will also go on to say we are able to love because he first loved us. So we must experience and know that love. Knowing and believing that love is what gives me the power to love him back. Now let me pause and say this. If we were to, if you just, just do a little survey within your own self. And if we talk about the love of Jesus. How I love, oh, how I love Jesus. And, I, I, and I'm sure you love Jesus. And you may even know that Jesus loves you. Oh, how I love Jesus. You may even know the love of the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. Oh, how I love the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That, 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 that presence, that warmth. But what about the love of God? How about the love of the Father? Do you love God? You love Jesus. Can you say, just don't lift up your hands, but can you in your heart see that I love Jesus? And you can feel that. I love the Holy Spirit. Can you talk that way with God? I love the Father. Or do you not even know him that well? Knowing and believing the love of the Father is very important. It's so important, in fact, that Paul prayed that you might be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that you would comprehend and know that love that passes all knowledge. Many times again, when somebody's underneath that oppressive weight and, the, and, and all of that confusion and all of that heaviness and all of that darkness, somewhere in the midst of it there, they don't believe the love of God. They don't believe the Father loves them. Right. And that has to be somehow, that, 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 that has to be, they got to get a breakthrough there. Right. Amen? The love of the Father. And so, and so now you got to focus on it. You got to pray about it. You got to meditate on scriptures. Meditate on scriptures like John 17, verse 23, and John 17, 26, 23, where Jesus says, Father, show them that you love them as much as you love me. God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. And then Jesus says, the love that you've given me, Father, I've given it to them. Or rather, he doesn't always put it. He said, he says, I've revealed unto them your name. I've revealed unto them that you're not just Jehovah, you're not just El Shaddai, but you are Daddy, you are their Father. And I've done that so that the love wherewith you have loved me, that that love would be in them, coming out of the revelation of you as Father. Amen? And sometimes you got to pray over those things. you got to meditate on those things. He commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sometimes you got to do that. So there is that aspect. So I don't want to believe that is, I think that's very important, knowing the love of God, but sometimes you got to pursue it. Amen? Sometimes you just got to pursue it. You got to ask God to reveal it, etc. But then the next side, which is, is loving people. 
fervent love for one another. And by so doing, fulfill the law of the anointing. There are laws that govern anointing. 1 John chapter 3. Now here's a very interesting thing. 1 John chapter 3, picking it up in verse 18. My little children, let us not just love in word, but let us, not even tongue, but indeed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth. And we can assure our hearts before him. We can assure our hearts before him. But if our heart, that's speaking about your conscience, if your conscience condemn us, if your conscience or your heart condemn you, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. It didn't say God condemn you. It just says God knows. But if your conscience condemn you, God doesn't condemn you. Right? But when your conscience condemn you, what happens? Verse 21. Beloved, if your conscience condemn you not, you got confidence towards God. But when your conscience condemn you, you don't have confidence. And if you have confidence, you know that whatever we ask, we receive of him. In other words, then, your conscience condemning or not condemning you is going to be a key of the effectiveness of your faith. Second, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 9 says, the mystery of faith lies in what? A pure conscience. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 says, The end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart and a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. So the thing is, you see, so, the, so I can't ignore the forgiveness issue. I can't ignore knowing the love of God. These are the pathways I got to go through in order to, for me to get this victory. I got to know he loves me. I got to learn to walk in love. I've got to forgive you. For, it's difficult. I got to let him help me. I got to let him help me be willing. And I can't quit and I can't give up. This is just how it works. And then I, I got to shut down. Some or the other, I got to take away what the enemy was trusting in. My, my selfishness and self. And I got to recognize that I'm crucified with Christ. I got to let the Holy Spirit walk me through that. I got to not allow the carnality and what it looks like and feels like in the past and the history I got to go meditate in the word of God. I got to let my mind become renewed. Which is to say, let's put it another way, between the carnality and especially on a self-issue, I got to decide, I got to go into a place of surrender. Not my will, but your will be done. Not me, not but me and what I want and what I feel and what I think. You know, that song again, was that song again? I live to worship you. This is all my life. The body that he has prepared, Jesus says, the body you prepared for me, I've come to do your will. Well, Jesus left, and he's still back. <laughs> and now there is a body, and it's this one. To do what? His will. On earth as it is in heaven. There is a depth of surrender involved there. But you see, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of sanctification, that is why that sanctification process will also bring you into that place of yieldedness. That is why I say the weapons of our warfare... It's not just the name of Jesus. It's not just the word of God. It's not just the blood. It is those things. But it is also humility. Being clothed with Christ. It is also meekness. It is also gentleness. It's also, it's also unity. It is also um, mercy. It is love. It is these things as well. Amen. And there are pathways. And the Holy Ghost, he will take you on those pathways. He will take you because it's his will. 
that you might overflow with joy. The God of hope fills you with all joy and peace in believing that you can abound and overflow in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. You need the power of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? We, you know, we, we, and that is what, that's why the world can only have very limited success for their congressmen. You know why? They have no power of the Holy Ghost. They may have some principles, and some of those principles are even godly, and you'll get to a certain point, but it's not the whole story. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. He is the spirit of truth. He is here to make what Jesus has, has done for you, all that Jesus has paid for, to become your reality and your experience. He will lead you and he will guide you. But you see, if he's leading and if he's guiding you, you gotta follow. Amen? Amen. And we ought to bear one another's burden because sometimes when people are so overwhelmed, they can't lift themselves up. That's right. So you gotta lift them up. You got to live. That's why the issue of praying for one another is so important. Elijah got into trouble and it became so difficult for him because he isolated himself. Right? And that's not good. Don't forsake the assembling together for yourself. And don't do like Jonah. Don't run away from the presence of God. Right? Right? Hello? Praise the Lord. Let's just stand for a minute. Hallelujah. Praise God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, we praise and worship and bless and magnify you. Hallelujah. Have you received this? Yes. Amen. Amen. No more messages in the question. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just make some declarations before God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your holy presence. Just begin to thank him. Thank you for his presence. Father, we thank you for the blood. Thank you, Father, for the intimate communion that we have with the blood. So that we are able to come into the holiest of holies. Come before your throne. Lord, we bless you. We bless you. You know, if I were to just go one step further, I'm just going to try to say, I'm not going to start a new trend of thought, but it's where do you keep yourself where in the love of yourself, God. Keep yourself where in Him, in Christ, in the anointing. How? By the Holy Ghost. By the presence of God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, verse 12, that's the one we have. He's able to, that he's able to keep everything that we commit to Him. But then it also says, we are able to keep what he has deposited and given us by the Holy Ghost, by that presence of God that is among us and that is in us. So we must guard this presence of God. Oh, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Just say that with me. Say, Father, I thank you for your love. And I'm asking you, reveal more of your love. Bring me into that place where I am so secure, where I know and I believe and I am intimate with your love, your love for me. In the name of Jesus. Father, you know the areas that I've struggled. You know the areas where I need to be healed. 
You know the disappointments, the hurt, the betrayal, the woundedness. You know the scars that are still there, that pulsate from time to time. But Lord, you are the God that heals me. You said you will heal the wounds. You will set the captive free. And so I come today and I ask for you to pour in the oil of your spirit, the oil of your anointing. Break every yoke, remove every burden. Heal me from the inside out. Speak words of life, of health, of wholeness. Speak it to my spirit in the name of Jesus. Lord, help me. Help me. I am willing to be willing. I am willing to forgive wherever I need to. I release the pain. I give it to you. I give you the hurt. I give you the woundedness. I release it all. And Father, I believe with your hand upon me and by the finger of God, by your spirit, you're setting me free and you are restoring me with joy and with peace. I set my mind upon you and I trust you. I depend on you. I look to you. You are able. You are my counselor. You are my healer. You are my friend. You are my confidant. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Holy Spirit. I love you, Father. Thank you for restoring me. Thank you for strengthening me. Thank you for your ministry. In the name of Jesus. Open my ears to hear as to learn. Help me to believe right. Help me to talk right. Help me to think right. In the name of Jesus, I declare I'm crucified with Christ. And it's Christ that is here. He is in me. He is my life. I give no place to the devil. Devil, I bind you. Spirit of oppression, spirit of depression, you go for me. I declare liberty for me and for my house and for my family. Liberty is mine. I'm not going to be entangled with any yoke of bondage in the name of Jesus. Whom the sun sets free, that's me. I'm free indeed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Father. We bless you, Lord. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Give you praise, Father. Hallelujah. Help us continually stand in the liberty that you have set us free. Praise and resist you, the work of the enemy to submit to your word, and Lord God, and resist the enemy, and he shall free at every turn and mm -hmm. every attempt in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Have a seat, please. Hallelujah. Celebrate the Lord Jesus by our giving him it. His church, his blood, and everything he given us. Thank you, Jesus. I got this picture in my mind that Jesus has shed his blood to birth that church. We are to shed our sweat and work to bring finances to take care of his church. 
to build it up. Amen. He wants to build it with glory and be like a, a sample of what heaven is like in every attempt, in working in his nature, in working in his miracles, in loving people, in being generous, in our homes, like our homes uh, reflect who we are. Amen. So we need to build it, meet every need uh, that the church loved uh, his children and he supplied every need. Amen. When you bring birth to a child, you take care of it. And he is want us to take care of his house. Amen. And everyone who comes here. So uh, if you need an envelope, you raise it. I know many of you use the app. And you're blessed in your giving. As what you give, you know you are giving unto the Lord for his church. And we receive it here and we have the wisdom to distribute it. Father, thank you for your generous heart. As you have been generous with your life and your blood will be generous with our sweat and the labor of our hand to take care of your work in this earth in the name of Jesus. You receive it in heaven and you bless your people. You want to open the windows of heaven and open them, uh, pour on them a blessing that they cannot contain. Indeed, their cups runs over and goodness and mercy follow them all the days of their life. And the seed sown is multiplied to the increase that by these fruit trees of righteousness, Lord God, they are bring so much fruit, Lord God, increase in their work, increase in the whatever they put their hand on. We declare it to bless in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank I just, you, Lord. I just know sense if, if someone needs ministry. Yes. Right? I am, you know, that's... We can join We are to bear one another's burdens. Amen? And so fulfill the law of, of Christ. Christ. Thank you, Jesus. If anybody needs prayer or ministry of any sort, we are here. Thank you, Lord, you sing over us. We worship you, Jesus. Every As he broods, as his chicken broods over her hand, I declare the presence of the Lord broods over you as you go out of this place, as you go to your home, as you sleep on your bed. He is the Lord God Almighty who is brooding over you. So that which is inside you will be formed in you. And that's what you had deposited in you will come to pass. Indeed, or Amakiti, there's a time for everything under heaven. Here a time to rise up, time to sleep, time to sow, now to reap. There's a time when the vision and the things that I have birthed inside of you and deposited in your mother's womb, that I have seen and I have declared and, and purposed, shall come to pass. For I am over you, I'm hovering over you, I'm brooding over you. And in its time, everything in its time will come to pass. A child is born before his time will not survive. If the plant is harvested before its time, it will not bring the nourishment, but actually it will be destroyed. So I brood over you and wait in that place. Grow to the place what you need to be. Let the hand emerge. Let the feet emerge. Let the heart develop to its maturity. Let the mind develop 
this means maturity. Oh, Ramakiti, here, nothing before its time, but it's beautiful. For I make all things beautiful in its time. Hallelujah. Receive it. Amen. What is it? Makes all things beautiful in his time. Lord, please show me every day as your teaching me your will that you do just what you say in your time in your time Lord in your time hallelujah you're blessed going out coming in you are blessing to the world so go lay hands on the sick let them recover, preach the gospel and live liberty that Jesus loves you and you need to part, be part of his family. Amen. So simple. Amen. 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 And if they need ministry, minister to them the word of truth that set them free. Lay hand on the sick, recover, cast demons and raise the dead. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Go in his name. And if anybody wants a word, if you're standing and you just need some manifestation of and in, in this area that we've been talking about, here's a verse of scripture, Ecclesiastics 3, verse 11. He had made everything beautiful in his time. Yes. So take that word. He makes everything beautiful in his time. Amen? So whatever, wherever your expectation is, he makes it beautiful. It's going to be all right. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know that? Yes. Blessed be the name of the Lord.
So we now have to go forward. We now have to make a shift. We now have to, like, let me give you an example. Yeah. Let me give you an example. That's what I thought we need is an example. In terms of shift, okay? Yeah. A couple weeks ago, it was not last Friday, the Friday before. I don't know if I said this, but anyway. In prayer, the Lord said something, which was basically the fact that one of the things that we need to do is to begin to come up in a higher place in the area of righteousness, and, in the, and I mean operationally, not theoretically preaching, teaching, right? And what he was talking about is the fact that we need to start do, doing some more commanding and declaring, and, and commanding especially with the word. For instance, it says in Isaiah, verse 40, chapter 43, whichever verse it is, you know, I will say to the north and to the south, to the east and the west, to give up, da -da -da -da, and bring my sons and daughters. It says that. We know the scripture says, regarding the work of my hands, and, and regarding that my sons, command ye me, etc., etc. And I was hearing the Lord saying to command, right? Again, and then for anything, for instance, it says in Isaiah 43 earlier, he says, I've given men for your life. There are people that are God has already given for your life individually and for this ministry that are not here, right? We don't know exactly who they are and where they are, but God knows. So, um, so God is saying, begin to command them. Begin to command the north, south, east, and west to release those that I've given for your life, for, the, for release those that have been given for, for the ministry, to release the resources, to release the wealth in the Niagara region, in the Hamilton region, whatever the case is, begin to be aggressive in that sense. Now, to me, that's a shift. There is a shift involved in that operating with that kind of authority. And, and I think the Lord bringing it at this time is because of what he's about to do and it's because of what has already been done in the realm of the spirit. I know myself, I had, there was a particular day, a particular time, I'd have to go back to see exactly where it was, right? Where something happened, and all of a sudden I was in this place, I think I mentioned it, and I experienced, um, it's not, it was a peace, but it was like, no fear whatsoever. It's just like, no, no fear. It just happened in a moment in time. In fact, the thing about it makes, makes me wonder, like, where was I before? You mean, am I living underneath some cloud of fear that all of a sudden I had this experience and it was tremendously wonderful. That was about two months ago, I think. Maybe sometime around there. I could, I could find a way by which I could rethink when it was. Um, it was a Friday. Yeah, it was a Friday. But I think, so I, I look at that and it's because of where we are. If there's a shift and I think we're right here, right now, and the shift has is, is right now. It's a shift that can operate both in terms of authority spiritually and, and in some practical ways. So on, on, on one level, I, I guess that's part of it, right? Getting ready for what comes next. Taking on places of, of leadership. Now, does it mean that, that um, Matilda is gonna have to have the, the entire load of praise and worship Every single week with no no way of escape. <laughs> right? You know, does it mean that, that, that Maureen is gonna carry the the, the um the, the, the ministry of, of, of prayer? 
all by herself? Does it mean that um, Janine is going to be, be just, re, you know, everything but the finances? Yes, there's going to be more. There's a lot of what she's already doing anyway. But it's going to be a little bit of, you know, right? So let me put Sorry. it like this way. Ask is, uh, I think For example, to the church, 
and watch and then meet with the leadership there. How do you do that? And they learn from them different places, and then they say what will work for us from that one that's working out there, and they do it. You know, we still have uh, groundwork, uh, ground base here, but we need to see, Lord, where you're taking us, what we need to improve, what we need to do extra to, to enhance the growth. Uh, and I think to enhance the growth starts with us developing leadership. Because you have, God has speak to you, God put anointing on you to do it. I remember, like if you remember Moses, he couldn't do it. His brother, his uh, father-in-law called him blessed or raised up leaders. And you need to distribute. You can say, but you are small, you can handle it. No, it, the vision has to be bigger than that. You know, that means we have to delegate and then as uh, as for us to get, get involved in more of uh, the study and the things that we need to do other than the attending to the things, the operations. Uh, during the week, 
uh, offering is collected instead of us taking it as this hammers is taking it. Two people, for example, has to count it for the envelope where they meet, pass it to Jenny to, to make the deposit. And the person one on a Monday, they have to go to the bank where we are CIBC and deposit it in the account. You see what that does involve that area? That's simple. If you want to take care of that one, we'll work with you on that. But, uh, you know, so example, right now, the ushering for you is just, uh, we say, raise your hand and pass the envelope. If you want to help the department in that way, that's what example what entails. You know, it's more than just passing the envelope or collecting. It's more this and this and that and cascading. So each department has expansion, which we, have, we haven't been doing. So, but if you want to help that one, we'll work with you on that area, tell you what we have been doing in the background, so you can take it. Does it make sense? Is that clear? And so when you're, um, so does that mean that you're not, you won't, won't be here at certain many times? Well, no, we are here all the time. You will be here, should be here more. We are yeah, here all the time. Oh, okay. That's just the I'm just asking questions. No. Uh, trying to figure out here what you're, you know, get down to the, to the. Um, no, we are here, but the, just, you know, for example, when I go home on Monday, on yeah. Monday I'm working. And I have other stuff I'm, you know, dealing with, dealing with. So I, uh, <coughs> I must minimize work. And because we are two places, I'm double of my work. And I like to relinquish some of the responsibilities. Because this is how what was our goal in the beginning, right? That eventually you become independent. It's still the pastor and I'm uh, pastoring, becoming. But we become, as I said, as a mentoring. We'll be your mentor. And we take the leadership of the house. Can I put it this way? Um, I, I, uh, Richard, um, no, we're not going to hear any less. No. In yeah. fact, we need to probably be here more because something needs, something needs to be done about prayer. And I know there's Zoom and there's going to be whatever online praying stuff and all of that. That's fine. I'm not knocking that. But physical presence, I don't think it replaces that. That's something that has to be done. Which would not for us to be here less. That would be for us to be here more. So it's not us withdrawing in any sense. But I think what is, is, is happening here is, is um, in some ways exploring or it, it, it's more exploring, it's more talking, it's more saying, all right, we need a greater commitment, a greater, or you need to be open to greater participation, is what I, I guess that's what it is. And then now we're going to have to take that and say, all right, what does this look like specifically? What does this mean for Janine? You know, and so on and so forth. What does this mean in the area of prayer? What does it mean in, in this department? What, what does it mean, you know, where, where are we able to, where can, where can Bernadette to become more involved? Cynthia, you know, um, and Pedro So yeah. I think that's, that's what it is, yeah. You know, so I think, um, I mean, maybe Jerry has a, who knows what Jerry has a, <laughs> right? and so on. So I think really at this point, it is just putting it out there be prayerful about it, and then I think we need to become more specific. But for now, I don't know. If As you're speaking, I believe God is speaking to your heart. Is yes or no? We want to do it, you know, and you know in your heart. For example, worship. Uh, for example, uh, maybe my vision of worship it might not be different for your place here. Like each parameter that they take, you have to have vision. What kind of atmosphere I need to create in this place for worship, and maybe teach about. Maybe um, God 
on the workshop, it might be a different flavor or atmosphere of what's inhabited because I'm different. My vision for what the worship is different. So what I'm saying is actually I want, we want to activate what Father puts us. Uh, and it helps so much. Things I haven't seen because that's her grace. Uh, yeah, because accounting, and she thought about calling this uh, cell area, which I didn't have because it's not my place. So I believe in the graces that God deposits inside of you and what you want to do to bring it up to excellence more than it is now. Instead of one person of origin or from a whole body of people. Like, for instance, like what I'm doing right now, and then I mean, I, like, I just, you know, like I don't have a car to take the money to the bank. You know what I'm saying? Right. So there, there's that to uh, figure out, you know what I mean? So, like, I mean, I've, I've always been a servant in the church all from day one, uh, you know, I mean, post the beginning. And so I'm just saying that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, for me, I'm willing to serve wherever. I've always have been. Well, but, and, but, but my grace, my greatest grace is that I'm a minister, uh, uh, an outreach minister. And that's what I've been doing uh, for all of these years. And, and that's where my, my grace flows is there. And, um, and so, like I said, um, but I'm still, but I've always worked in the church as well. And so, and I've always been a willing servant. So whatever, wherever you need me, I'm willing. That's how I've always been. Yeah, that's so good. You can respond to us one on one. Yeah, that's right. So we have your willingness. Yeah, willingness. Yes. Even obedience.
Okay, you check in your phone, so let's head out then. Like this is, somebody has to take care of it. Hey, I've taken mucus, any candy, any pen, okay. This is turned off, you turned it off. Oh, Shababa. Is this your key? Somebody's key? It seems purposeful key. Anyway. Okay. Is any of these are our water? Okay, so we're gonna get one of these. Okay, ours, ours huh? Okay, we need to bring. Uh, yeah. Is this full? Like, is it is it open? How do we know if it's open? If this is, if it's still sealed, this, is this sealed? one is open. This is open. Mm -hmm. Okay, take it. This is sealed. Yes. Can I lock the door? Yes. I need to, I need to go to the church now find my gla the glasses. Yes. Do you want to talk? She knows now all she needs to sleep. <laughs> so she'll talk later. Thank you. 